The views expressed on this broadcast of the Carol Ann Preston Show do not necessarily reflect KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or its affiliates. The hosts, co-hosts, and affiliates do not represent any particular 12-step program. I sit and wait as an angel Contemplate my fate Do they know the places where we go when we're gray and old? Cause I have been told that salvation lets their wings unfold. So when I'm lying in my bed, Thoughts running through my head And I feel that love is dead I'm loving angels instead And through it Forsake me I'm loving angels instead Welcome to the Carol Ann Preston Show on Relationships, a weekly show exploring the challenges and opportunities we face with each other as we walk through recovery. Author, relationship counselor, and recovered alcoholic Carol Ann Preston shares her personal experience and professional insight as she answers your questions and reveals the solutions found in our spiritual journey of the 12 steps. And now, here's your host, Carol Ann Preston and the Monty Man. Well, greetings, family, recovery folks, and all of you advocates out there. Welcome to the Caroline Preston Show on Relationships. Last week, or actually the week before, we talked about Tradition 4. And this week, we're moving on to Tradition 5. Hey, Carol. (laughs) Now, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the alcoholic who still suffers. So we're going to learn a little bit about the primary purpose and and what the message is and and those who still suffer and how it applies to our own life, right? That's right. All right. So, Carol, take it away. Okay. Well, it's real interesting. Um, I want to remind the listeners, if if this is the first time that that you've listened to um, the traditions as we're talking about them is I would suggest that um, go ahead and listen to today's show, but you might want to pick up some of the archive shows because as um, each of the steps builds upon the last step, so do the traditions. Right. Okay. So to fully embrace um, the direction of Tradition 5 and implementing it into your life, uh, the first four traditions are very necessary. I mean, it's kind of like jumping in the middle. So if, if, you have, if you're a new listener, we're glad you're here um, and, and pray that you get something out of today's show. Uh, but really, go back to the archives and, and listen to them in order so that you will have a better understanding of what we're talking about. 
And, and folks, you can, uh, on this page that you're listening to this from, uh, you can go down to the, it says, uh, download this to a portable device. Click on that little blinking podcasty thing, and that'll take you to Gcast, the page on Gcast. And if you click on the uh, little MP, green MP3 button on there, you, it'll download it to whatever device you have hooked up to your computer, and then you can take it with you. That's right. Yeah. And um, last week, or the, when we uh, record, when we talked about Tradition Four, and I and I read Tradition Five, I went, "Okay, this one's going to be interesting." <laughs> <laughs> Each group has but one primary purpose. Now, we have been talking about the traditions as it relates to the family. How do I take this tradition into all my affairs? How do I take this into my personal life? How do I live the traditions? And years ago, um, I kept hearing um, to be self-supporting through my own contributions self-supporting through my own contributions. And when I became a single parent, I was willing to work three jobs. I, it, was, it was somewhere deep into my soul, my spirit, these words, self-supporting through my own contributions. And I was willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, and so that is really, for me, when the traditions became very important to me. And I began to see how we do carry the traditions, we can carry the traditions into our lives. Now, the, the steps is something I can do, all right? Right. The traditions is what we can do. Okay. Now, I know the step says we admitted but who's going to write my fourth step is me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, my husband and I have worked the steps, some of the steps, together. Okay. Right. And I've talked about that before. The traditions, from my perspective and the way that we're talking about them, really is, um, I guess the simple way to put it, is step of, it's, it, it's, it's a guidelines for the family. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's the it's the guiding light for the family, and again, if uh, you know, I'm not going to define the family. It's your family, whether you're single, um, or if it's in your job. Excuse me, uh, but it, the one thing that is, um, I, I want to mention this because um, it, it was a thought that I had last week um, that I don't. Uh, when we talked about tradition four, I don't think I talked about. Um, but it, it came up as I was preparing for Tradition 5, is that you know, we talk about dysfunctional families. Everybody's got a dysfunctional family. Everybody has issues with their parents. Everybody has, you know, we, we all have relationship issues. But one thing that is so unique <laughs> and beautiful about families, regardless of how, I don't want to say regardless, I'm not discounting, no matter what, the family, as a unit, will go to any lengths to survive. Sure. Okay? And so you can label, well, I had a dysfunctional family. You know, I was the perfect child, and here's the one that was the, you know, the um, the clown and the lost child. And uh-huh. here's the addict. You'd have a, and, the, and, the, and the one that gets blamed for everything. 
you can do that or you can look and go, you know what, wow. You know, God allowed us to be so creative in our dysfunction that we intuitively took on roles. Sometimes they were assigned to us. Most of the time they're assigned to us by our parents. Um, and going into a classroom, you'll find that teachers will carry, um, or in your employment, um, you will <laughs> if you look in your life, you'll find that you're assigned the same role in the outside world that you were assigned in your family unless you've changed. Yeah, that is so true. It is. And um, what it is, it is about um, not it, not knowing another way to keep us together. Mm-hmm. So one way I know I can keep my family together is to make sure they look good to the outside world. Mm-hmm. You know, because everybody's kind of worried about how, you know, what, what you think about the family. You know, what, you know, so we've got to look good and we've got to have somebody to blame for everything. So that's your job. And what we're all doing is we're taking on roles to keep us together because people, we want our family to stay together. And at this point, we don't have another way until we have another way. And when we have another way, we don't need these roles anymore. I don't need to be. I'm not perfect, and trying to be perfect almost killed me, you know. Um, and, and going out into the world, and if you see, and, I, and I've done in-services with teachers um, about the family roles played out in the classroom, and those children are assigned, children are assigned these roles. Hmm. So in Tradition 5, how does this, what does this have to do with Tradition 5? Each group, so we'll say each family, has but one primary purpose. What is it? Well, my my what my is opinion. Your primary purpose. My, my my opinion is is my primary purpose is to guide and direct my family into a relationship with God. That that's that's my number well, what one. What is your goal. family's primary purpose? Now, going back in what we have talked about in other in previous traditions, if you'll remember, I think it was tradition two or tradition three, where we talked about if you're in recovery, which that's probably why you're listening to the show, right? <laughs> um, and uh, husband and wife, um, or or mom and kids, or dad and kids, or, or whoever your family is, the the head of the families come together and commit your life um, uh, together, say the third, third step prayer. Um, and, and if you've been together and now you're in recovery, at some point you've got to come together and reestablish who you are. And so we've been doing that in the previous traditions. And when we get to this tradition, this is really asking you, to define who you are as a family. Now, this is not dictated by one person. And there are three questions. And they are, who are we? Why are we? And where are we going? Hmm. Three questions. And what is, if, as you read Tradition 5, look at the principles as you practice the 12 steps, 
look at the principles. So, and it can be brief. It can be very, very simple. It can be a mission statement. It can be a vision statement. Who are we? Why are we? And where are we going? We are, and one of the very first principles in this step is unity. We are a family of unity that gathers, and it says, around it, our society gathers in unity. So our family gathers in unity. That is key and number one, unity. So anything, once you have your vision statement, your mission statement, you've clarified your primary purpose, the principles will support your primary purpose and things, um, behaviors, actions, uh, anything that threatens your primary purpose or is in um, opposition of the principles your family is committed to live, and we we don't do this perfectly, these are the things that we come back to. This is who we are. This is why we are. This is where we're going. We're not just out here kind of lingering around going, well, ask a 17-year-old, who's your family? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, my dad does this, my mom does that, and, um, you know, that's who we are. No, who we are is not what we do. It's what we do. It's our job. Mm -hmm. But who, who are we as a family? So to give you an example... Um, you know, it, it gives an, uh, an example in this tradition about doctors. There are a variety of specialists coming together to find a cure for cancer. And, and here's what you recognize within your family. Everyone within the family has gifts. They have specialties that they bring to this family to make it whole. Okay, God makes it whole, but everyone comes together with their piece of the pie that makes up the family. Sure, sure. And it's very important that we recognize each other's abilities, gifts, and and their special. What's that? For lack of a better word, their specialty. <laughs> okay. And, you know, my family used to tease me, and they don't anymore. They do so in a loving way. Um, you know, my little brother said that they adopted me from the gypsies. <laughs> 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 they used to kid me growing up because my spiritual thirst has been present my entire life. My My desire and my... Uh, just walking kind of to the beat of a different drummer has always been present. My need for sleep has always been present. I've always needed, even in high school, I needed to take naps. Okay, now we can affirm each other or we can make fun of each other. Hmm. And some kids in a family, their gifts, they may, they may bring to the family, they're very artistic. They're very good with math. And you have somebody else who's very good, let's, let's just say at school, they, they come home, they do their homework, and one child is really good at math, another child's really good at English, and guess what? If you're good at math, you're probably not good at English, and if you're good at English, you're probably not good at math. 
Yeah, in most cases, that seems to be the truth. Right. So, yeah. in recognizing the gifts, not what, not the jobs. The who are we? And this takes us time to pause and having a family meeting that we've talked about. To have a family meeting, and this is what I would suggest to how do you define your family's primary purpose um, is you do two things. One, the goal would be to list the principles, and they're, they're in Tradition 5, and you just circle them, then you'll find them in unity. Um, we set aside our, our, our personal ambition if it's going to interfere or threaten the purpose of the family. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. My ambition is to be a doctor. I need to set this ambition aside at whatever personal cost if it is going to threaten the primary purpose of my family. Sure. So okay? so, so if somebody, uh, you know, if somebody wants to be a, a career woman, uh-huh. And the husband's working, and the kids are, are turning into latchkey children, uh-huh. and they need mom. She probably ought to quit her job and stay home. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Um, when it wasn't even, and I, and I, I want to address this issue <laughs> because we have. I cannot tell you. I mean, I was stay-at-home mom for eight years. And it wasn't even a question. Yeah. Well, it was not even a question. And I did not have a college degree, and I became, I volunteered in, my, in our community. I taught at our church. I became active in, in a number of things as I've, you know, and I've got two babies, and I'm pretty young, and I'm taking care of the house, and I'm doing these things. And, and what a lot of times women or husbands or fathers, whoever's staying home, start thinking, well, because I'm not earning money. Mm-hmm. I'm not a value yeah. to this family. And that's a lie. It is a lie because yeah. our value is not the money we bring home. Right. That I, that's not who we are. And a lot of times when people die, you know, they want to know, well, what did they do and how they die? So who you're defined by is your job and your illness. Mm. Not true. And so my question is, tell me who your mother was. Tell me about her spirit. Tell me who mm-hmm. she she was in this life. Not what she did. Mm-hmm. You know? And so what you do is you write the principles down. Now, I can still be a doctor, okay? I'm in high school. so, But it can't be at the personal cost of the family. So my job is to ask for guidance. Uh, it can't be at the financial cost of the family, them not being able to provide for, you know, the essential needs of the other, the rest of the family. One person's ambitions cannot override the, the needs of the others, the primary purpose of the family. And as a stay-at-home mom, um, we did not go to the movie. We did not go out to eat. Uh, occasionally, we went to Denny's with the kids, and would, they would get their little smiley face pancake. 
And that was a big deal. And the reason why is because it was more important to us to buy our own home. Mm -hmm. And to do that, we knew to be able to pay for this home that our entertainment would be our home. Mm-hmm. So we would play, invite our neighbors or friends from church we, and people from the community. We would have parties at home. We had a costume party in April. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'd play cards. Um, if my husband was, was gone, then I would invite one of my female friends to come over and play cards. Um, I would I would find, I lived in California because I could get fresh fruit. I would buy um, a huge, uh, huge thing of strawberries, and I learned how to make jelly. And so for Christmas, everybody got a, homemade, a basket of homemade jelly and homemade breads. And our budget was very small because our budget, um, and, and we went with, uh, it was important to my husband, my first husband at the time, that we had a motorhome. That meant I didn't have a car. Now, I would probably say at this point, looking back, that is one person's ambitions overriding the needs of the family. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, I want a Harley Davidson. Let's say that as an example. I want a Harley Davidson. And so, because I want a Harley, and they're gonna, it's going to be $45,000 for the Harley that I want, motorcycle, um, that means um, I'm not going to be saving for my child's college. Or my 16-year-old will not, 17, my kids are not going to have a car, so it's going to put a bigger burden on the other parent to pick them up from school and take them to all their multiple things they have to do because I want this. What? So our personal ambition cannot, and this is a principle, our personal ambition has to be set aside at whatever personal cost. I wanted to be a doctor. I didn't have the confidence to tell anybody that. And my husband tried to encourage me 10 years ago to go back to school and go to medical school. Mm-hmm. And I looked, and, and I did, I went and talked to everybody at the, at the college, and I looked, and I did the math. Okay, we're going to move, and then we're going to have to move again. This is what it's going to cost for me to finish uh, medical school. This is how many years it's going to take. This is how old I'm going to be. So I did the math on it. This is how much it's going to cost for me to go. And I'm going to be this age when I finish. My children will probably be married and having children at the time or be getting married. And I'm not going to be available. I am, And what is my, the primary purpose for our family is to be there for one another. That's one of them, is to be there. It's, as parents, is to be available. I want my children, and I want my desire as to support this primary purpose is that once they get married or have children, I would like to be available to go and be there to support them. And if I choose this path, this ambition, at this age in my life, financially, it will cost us this much and it's where the real cost is going to be is it's going to take away precious moments 
and memories and availability for my children and my family, even though they're grown, to pay off, just to pay off my college. And I made the decision it was not in the best interest of our family. Mm-hmm. And it hurts. I, I can't tell you it doesn't. It does. It makes me sad. Well, you, you know, but I also know that if God <clears throat> called me to be a doctor, then it would have happened. Then the opportunity that would not violate our principles of love and support and unity, it right. would have supported <clears throat> that. It would not have taken away from it. You know, you know, Carol. It's a <clears throat> excuse me. I'm <clears throat> sorry. It's interesting that, you know, we don't, in today's age, and actually it's been going on for years and years and years, we don't count the cost with each other, um, with who we ask to marry us. Um, Many times the pastor or the rabbi or whoever, a priest, won't count the cost with you. There's so many people that get married, they'll go to a pastor or, or, or a spiritual leader and they'll get married. And the pastor won't um, <clears throat> require any counseling. Uh, pastor Mitch, who does the show here on Thursdays, he belongs to an organization called the Church of the Valley. And what it is, it's not a church, but it's a it, it's the body of Christ of, of all the uh, majority of all the the uh, pastors, uh, pastors, priests, and, and those that are spiritual leaders in their church. And they have made a commitment to each other. Now, some listeners are going to balk at this, but they've made a commitment to each other. We will not marry anyone who is living together outside of marriage until they move apart. Uh-huh. We will not marry anyone that won't go through at least five months, which isn't very much. That's See, like... The Catholic Church requires six months. Yeah, uh, of, of marriage counseling. Because people say, well, we don't need counseling. Okay, if you're going to fly a plane, do you just take the keys and go out and fly the plane, or does somebody teach you? So don't be an idiot, you know. But but people don't count the cost, and so they don't they don't even see that. Hey, look at my life is going to change. Every aspect <laughs> of my life is going to change, and I can't just be me anymore. One of the or just for me anymore. I love this commercial, and I'm not sure what it's what they're advertising. But <clears throat> a man is holding his newborn baby. And he kind of looks looks at the baby, and the baby's got this great smile. And he says, you know, it's not about me anymore. And I just love that. Uh, and, and, you know, it really, and, and when we're married and, and, and so forth and we have kids, you know, it really, all it takes is a question, a simple question. What do you think, kids? What do you think, Mom? You know, I was and asking them, "Who are we? Who do you yeah. want us to be? What is our foundation?" And, and I had uh, Overcomers Outreach, uh, their big convention in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was asked to be the keynote speaker, uh-huh. and they're going to fly me out in. Uh, hmm, when are they going to fly me out? I can't remember. Uh, in March, April, May. I think it's in May. And no, it's not. It's in February. Sorry about that. But anyway, they're going to fly me out, and so I. Of course, I said, well, you know, I've I've got to check with my family. And so I went to the Mar- Marsha and the kids, and I said, what do you think? You know, it, it, is this something that we can do? Now, 
it's not going to cost us anything other than uh, gas to take me to the airport. Do we have it? Right. Can we do that? Uh, and that sounds like a real simple thing, but if we don't have but a, it's respectful. It is. It is to be to be asked. What do you Very think? Very respectful, and it value money that values. And 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 people want to know, you know, how do we get our kids to have self esteem? How do we show them that we value them? That's how we show them we yeah. value them. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they are going to we make them the what them we do. You're valuable. We show them they're yep. valuable. And that's how they're going to treat. Their wives, you know, uh, uh, boys are going to treat their wives, girls are going to treat their uh, their their uh, husbands is how and we friends, do that. And their teachers. And they're, yeah, absolutely, you know. They are. And, you know, being a chaplain myself and, um, you know, premarital counseling is not optional. Right. And because I'm a chaplain, I don't, um, I'm not with a specific church, Um I, but I do provide premarital counseling, and we cover four key areas, communication, finances, uh, your sex life, how many children do you want, and family. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because it's like, okay, well, how are you going to do holidays? Have you worked that out? And, and I even, you know, is there someone in your life today that you can see that once you're married you no lo- or, or you don't want this person at your wedding? You see this person as a threat to your marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's about honesty. And the neat thing is, is that what comes from spiritual counseling is because some people... Um, think, you know, well, I don't want to get married in the church. Right. And I can't not be who I am, which is a chaplain. I am a Christian. And as a chaplain, my job is to, and through meeting with couples uh, who are planning on getting married specifically, or anybody else, is to listen, to ask questions, and to find out if someone, if I ask you, where are you spiritually? Where are you in your relationship with God? And I can't tell you how many times I hear, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And through a course of questions, it can be apparent to me, and then I can reflect that back and say, it's not that you don't believe. You're simply questioning, which allows you room to grow. Sure. Okay, and so presenting it back in that way, it's like, wow, it's not that I don't believe in God. I'm, I'm growing in my relationship with God. And that is a whole other perspective. And, and I'm finding out, um, and I write this, um, well, I give them an option. I can write your ceremony or I can do, you know, uh, the way it's done for everybody. I prefer to write it because... In the premarital counseling, I find out who they are, why they are, where they are, mm-hmm. where they and and where they want to go, right. and what they're willing to commit to now, and where what their hopes and dreams are, and where they will be, where they're going to grow into, and I incorporate that into the ceremony. And even the letting go of the parents. Right. And that's so important. Yeah. That is so crucial. 
Oh, it is. Yeah. It's because if you have a parent or a child, and we talked about this before, the chi- if, the ch- if your adult child will not let go of you when they have entered into marriage with another person, it is your responsibility as a parent to talk to them and say, you know, find out if there's a problem, a serious problem, and if there's not, they're just afraid to let go because they're scared. Mm-hmm. is to encourage them to let go because we can create unhealthy dependencies with our with our adult children and and most mothers I will tell you <laughs> are afraid their children are going to leave. Mm. They well I'm going to make them mad. They're going to leave. They're not going to like me and they're never going to want to come back. And then there are those who hope that will happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, which is sad. So if you find out who who are you? And you write your vision statement, and you can make it really fun in your family meeting. Let's say you have a five-year-old, and you have a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, or if you're a single parent, or if you are the owner of a business, and you get a big old poster board, a big old sheet of paper, and you draw a circle, and you do a mind map, and you write in the center your vision statement, your primary purpose. And then you, know, you have everybody, okay, give me a word. What's our primary purpose? Our primary purpose is to love, to be compassionate, is to support one another, to stay together, to be honest, um, to sacrifice at times, to grow spiritually, that Jesus Christ is the foundation. Uh, that is the God that we serve. Or if you're of another faith, you know, you put your faith in there. Our our family is founded on the belief of we believe in God and we believe in love. And and what it goes on in tradition, so you can make that really fun and then you take those words and you write a sentence and try and keep it short but answer the three questions. Who are we? Why are we? And where are we going? And this can change. As you change, like Ray and I, um, now that we've had almost a year to get settled into our new place of living, and um, things ha- there have been some significant changes in our household, we are in the uh, this weekend going to be doing a vision statement, mission st- uh, not mission, but a vision statement of where are we going now? Now that things have changed, say somebody retires. Okay, now who are we and where are we going? Instead of just kind of like going with whichever way the wind blows, where are we going? And and you pray beforehand, okay? You ask God for divine inspiration and intuition and protection and discernment. And, And if there is anything in this that will be destructive to your primary purpose, it gets crossed off, okay? Mm -hmm. So if, say, somebody wants to be a doctor, and so that it doesn't hurt the family, it's not a threat to the the primary purpose, it's not going to keep the family from being who they are and where they're going, then we can put that up there, and we have now another mind map that we can say how this can happen. We start saving 
or you get a paper route and that money, half that money goes into a savings account or we start looking for scholarships or you have a goal for a scholarship and which means there's got to be a lot of studying done. So you kind of work backwards, okay? And, and you always want to check with the principles. And one of the core things in this tradition is the primary purpose it says to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers, which is tradition five. That is the primary purpose of Alcoholics Anonymous. When it taught one of the things, core things that it says, that whatever your primary purpose is, if you do not give away what you have been given, you will lose it. Yep. And that's on page 151. Okay, so to carry the message of hope for, for the for the and it doesn't say to the newcomer, just to let some people know who haven't heard that before, <laughs> it doesn't say, oh, to the person in their first six months. It says to the alcoholic who still suffers. That can be somebody with 30 years. Sure it can. You know, because the expectation is, you know, I don't even give my sobriety, length of sobriety when I go to meetings anymore. Because what I found when I do is there seen, there's an unspoken, I because I'm very sensitive, yeah. I, I, I sense there's this expectation of what am I going to give to the group, not that I need something. Yes, and you know what else happens is, is especially with people that are new, uh, is when you do that, you know, my my uh, sobriety day, blah, 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 1962. Okay. It's almost becomes, with people that don't know how, how to, really work some of the two basic tools of life you become untouchable to them unapproachable because i'm not as good as they are they got all these years you know and and, that, I, and I do the same thing i did the first year the very first things i was taught that first year those are the same things i do today mm -hmm. you know and it goes on to say that self there's three things self-preservation duty and love Who, uh, Carol, who, who is, okay, we're, our primary purpose is to stay together, to nurture each other, and so forth and so on. I yeah. can tell you what? our primary purpose. Yeah. Our prim my family's primary purpose, which is my husband and I, our primary purpose is to live a sober life based and, and to serve Christ. Okay, but in that our primary purpose is to be of maximum service to God and to others through the teachings of Jesus Christ. So, so you're taking you're, you're ta <laughs> okay, but you're taking that now. The other part of this tradition is taking this message to, to the family member who still suffers. Who is that? It could be anybody. But what if your what if your family's healthy? Okay, it doesn't mean just your family. It doesn't. It doesn't say we have to take the message. Just to the family. Okay, I, I was talking about related to the family, though. Okay. That's I, no, we have to give away. We are blessed as a family to have a family that can. We come together, and when there's an argument or somebody's hurting, you know, the saner person. The rule here: here's here is a part of the primary purpose or principle is the saner person initiates prayer. <laughs> yeah, I always like that. You always say I really like okay. that. Yeah. And 
So how do we, and we're blessed. So how do I take that? How do we take that into the outside world? If I see someone who's suffering and I don't give away what I have been freely given. Mm -hmm. Now, what I've been freely given is a set of tools that I had to pick up. Sure. Right? There is no magic wand that I someone just pulled out from underneath a certain AA table and popped me on the head and, oh, I'm changed. Okay, which I thought they were really keeping that from me for a long time. And so I've had, I pick up these tools and I have a life. I don't want someone else's life anymore. Finally. I don't want your life. I don't want somebody else's life. And my life is not perfect. But if I see someone suffering, if I don't give away what I have been given, I will lose it. As even a biblical principle, the, f- the first will be last and the last will be first. Uh-huh. Now, you know, here's yeah. kind of um, a paradox is as a chaplain, I charge for weddings. I'm paid for, for my time for, for spiritual counseling for weddings. It's your job. That's my job. Yeah, yeah. Now, I also have to have, uh, I'll call them boundaries for lack of a better word. Okay. Um, with family members or friends who know uh, some of my experiences, some of my gifts and talents. Uh, for 20 years, I was a doula, which is a professional labor and delivery coach. Okay? Mm-hmm. And it's very easy for people who love me, who who see the many gifts and talents I have, because I'm kind of a jack-of-all-trades in certain areas, to see a person in need and volunteer me for it. Okay, for free. Yeah, I know. I've experienced that. And and, and they didn't do it necessarily say, well, she'll do it for free. What I've had to do is come back, and I've had to be very clear about what is my job, Mm-hmm. And what is not what is what is not my job? What is my is it avocation? Yeah. Okay. What is my avocation? And there have even been times where I have worked with pregnant women who have previously lost a child, and is and, and it's a complex um, medical situation of pregnancy. Or a pregnancy that is uh, the baby will not live very long after birth, mm-hmm. where I will be called in, mm-hmm. or I've been called in to work with this family. If they are unable to pay, I've never turned anyone away because they've been unable to pay. There are other ways to pay. Yeah. And with money. I mean, I like to be paid with cash. <laughs> it, helps pay, it helps pay my phone bill. But I've never turned someone away. But I've had to get real clear about, because people have an expectation that if it's of a spiritual nature, why are you charging? Oh, I know. I hate that. I get it I mean, all the time. Yep. More people spend money on their wedding cake than they think about how much they're going to pay the minister who spends a lot of time, for, at least I do, preparing mm-hmm for the wedding or preparing them for the wedding. Mm-hmm. So this has been for my own personal growth that I've had to come to terms with and accept that I'm worthy of my time. And, and going back to giving it away, here's an example. We have a family where uh, there is 
daily prayer and and there's security there's comfort there's sobriety there's honesty these principles are practiced in the home the kids go to school parent or parents go to work and we have an opportunity at various times when we are ready God will bring us someone that needs to hear our experience, strength, and hope. And what we have to remember is when we give it away, and and especially for younger people, and, and, and remembering in our families, we share our experiences, okay? Mm-hmm. The kids know, you know, at some point in sobriety that mom or dad was drunk every day, and hopefully at a point in in recovery this has been discussed, and they see a friend crying at school, and through experience, strength, and hope, we can share with one another, and we can give away the one thing that we all need, and that is hope. And that I'm not alone. And when I reconnected with several friends from high school a few years ago, it was only then, and that's been 30, I don't know how many years, 30-something years, Uh (laughs) uh, that the three of us were all growing up in alcoholic homes. And none of us knew it. And we were together every single day. Yeah. And we were all in so much pain. But when, well, the one thing we did not do is we were not honest. And the one way to, to make sure that, because I've made a lot of mistakes when I was in school um, sharing the good news, mm-hmm. I didn't know how to share experience, strength, and hope, because I didn't want to look at mine. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. I wanted to preach. No one wants to be preached to, and it talks about that in this tradition when the guy goes to the hospital, and and, and there's a story in there where he talks about, oh, I, that's it, you've come to talk to me about religion, and I've been a deacon in the church or whatever for this long, and the guy goes, you know, no, I, I, he came to share hope. Yeah. He came to share his experience, strength, and hope, and faith, and that this will get better. If you don't drink, it will get better. And you're not a bad person. And you're pregnant. You don't have to have an abortion. I know someone who, you know, if you'll come with me to my home, my mom will talk to you because she had an abortion. And she will share with you what that's like. And, and, and get you the support, and, or, you know, whatever. She will help you walk through this. This is a high school student, mm-hmm. okay? And when you, you know, we have to share with our children appropriately aged information. Right. When my children were of an appropriate age, I shared that with them. And, um, I, you know, there's so many teenagers, and who do not, and women and men who do not know the services and support that is available to carry them and support them through a pregnancy. And I cannot tell you the the risk for suicide, how high it is. 
Mm-hmm. Or two things, those who have had abortions and questioning youth who, when you are in a high school or a middle school, around 4, 12 to 16, of course, I think it's changing, um, 12, 13, 14, when you, you know, are around middle school and high school and you start to question your sexual identity, you're discovering who you are as a sexual person that God created as good and whole. And maybe there is no guidance at your home. And most kids learn about sex from each other. So if you're open and honest about the beautiful gift that God has bestowed upon us in your home, and then your teenage child, when someone says, you know, I'm thinking about having sex for the first time with this guy I've had a crush on for, like, forever, and for, like, you know, he's really going to ask me out, and I think I'm going to do this. Then <laughs> yeah. that teenager who is in a home with purpose, primary purpose, and giving it away, and her parents have talked to her about this beautiful gift that God has given us, she has an opportunity to say, can I share my experience and hope with you about this situation? Right. You hit on a really, really uh, important important point. You know, parents, and I've talked to some, I, I'm afraid to talk to my child about this. Well, you know what? If you don't talk to him about it, somebody's going to talk to him about it. And, and that's they're not what they're going to get accurate information. And they're not going to get accurate information because uh, we live in a society today where the authorities even say it's okay to have premarital sex. In fact, we'll show you in school how to do it. It's 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 a trip. And, yeah, unless, and, unless, and I think what what I, my understanding of the of the education in school is is the protection from sexually transmitted diseases. It's supposed yes, because to because parents, when you talk to your children, here I'll tell you. Here's what I said because it's like, well, what do you say? Because we respect the individual. Now, here's our here is our family. Here's who we are. Here's who we've said we are. Now, if you've decided this is not who you are, can you get us current on who you've become? See, that's what we have to stay current in our families about who we are. Okay? Yeah. It's real important to stay current. It's like, I don't believe this anymore because so-and-so said this or so-and-so said that. Or, right. Or, you know, and, and they, it's amazing that they, boy, they hear things. And they hear adults and they see adults and um, they are questioning and they're not sure. And when it, I just, I knew it was time to have the talk, I, my gut went, it's time, and I talked with them separately because there's, I have a son and a daughter, mm-hmm. and talked to them separately and told them my experience, strength, and hope, my beliefs, our beliefs as a family, that this is a gift, a gift to use properly, and when misused, here are the consequences that could occur. Sexually transmitted diseases, pregnancy, and pregnancy will lead to one of three things, abortion, adoption, or you're going to be a teenage parent 
But one thing will always happen. If you choose to be sexually active, your life will change forever and you will never go back. That's right. And, you know, and the reason I mentioned that about the education thing is my son came home from school, all right, and this this is in uh, middle school, his first year in middle school. That's just a year out of elementary school. Right. And the statement was made, as a teenager, when you have sex. Oh, my gosh. Not, not if you have sex, if you know. But the expectation is when? When. Oh, my gosh. And it's in the curriculum. I'd be calling the school. Oh, yep, did that. But, uh, you know, get the same thing. Well, we're trying to protect your child. No, you're not. No, you, don't, you know, because they hear those things. And, and the point, getting back to this tradition, because we can talk about sex education. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> uh, getting back to this tradition, the point is, is to practice the principles within our families of unity, of honesty, of purpose and love, of duty, with praying for wisdom. The wisdom is we have a singleness of purpose, which is our primary purpose, which is to stay together. That's the bottom line. And to share, you know, we have to give away what we, if, if we want to keep what we've got, we've got to give it away. And, and we want to keep our family together. And we want to stay current with each other and keep the communication open. That's why the family meetings are so very important. And the other thing is to list and to affirm in each other. And that doesn't mean this is a boring family where there's no laughter. Because when my brother said, oh, hey, we got her from the gypsies, he was loving me. <laughs> yeah. You know, it really, he really, my brothers are just, he, both of them are just, they were just precious. Um, what does each person bring to the family? Okay. Because we are a unit. And if you're a single person and you look at your family, your family can be your, your family of choice. <clears throat> and your business, what is your mission statement? And I had somebody from Africa ask me if they could, they emailed me uh, from the honesty article that I wrote. You can, I think you can type in Google uh, recovery honesty and it'll pop it up. It, did not get edited, so <laughs> there were a couple things about honesty and asked permission to include that as he was changing his mission statement um, so that, you know, and he was doing the right thing by asking for permission. Yeah. And so whether it's your business, whether it's your family, farming and looking for the principles, staying current, being honest, loving and forgiving, but recognizing who are we, why are we, and where are we going. So no one is out there lingering lost <sighs> and alone. Yeah. We've got about four minutes left. Uh, these three questions, who are we, why are we, and where are we going? <clears throat> Some people aren't going to, uh, like you said, <laughs> people go, I don't know. You know, and and hopefully listening to this show will will help them. Um, and I want to encourage everybody: if you know who you are, why you are, and where you're going, you probably know. I mean, we all know a lot of people. Let's face it; not all of them are friends. 
But you probably know somebody who doesn't know. They just don't know. Right. Burn a copy of the show to a CD, download it to an MP3 player, um, or have them over and listen to this. It, it will help help them immensely. And don't force it on them, like Carol was saying, but just you just might want to say, hey, can I share something with you? Ask permission. The one yeah. thing that people, none of us want, we don't want somebody imposing, you know, it's a boundary. Can I share yep. with you? Yep. My experience right now, it may not work for you, but can I share with you? And there is something that you will experience as you are being, a, as the big book says, maximum service to God and others, is as I am serving this coincidental chance meeting, there is this change that occurs where I'm no longer in charge, and it is the divine spirit of our God, of our loving creator that surrounds us in the comfort and peace and gives you the words and sometimes the quiet. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the prayer to be of service, and you don't have to worry about. Well, I can't do that. Yeah. Because you're right. You can't. None of us can because of myself. I'm nothing. The step showed me that I'm nothing of myself, but through God and with God, I can do all things. Yep. Amen. Right on. This, have fun. This has been. This has <laughs> been. Just some poster board. <laughs> this has been so awesome. Uh, this show has just been so awesome. I I just uh, and I want I want to close if you don't mind with this a, a short story about. <clears throat> um, and this isn't in my nature as far as like my you know my selfish self centered that part of me. <laughs> it's more part of my nature today because the the spirit of God lives within me and 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 that and when I allow Him to do that and don't get in His way. Um, it, it becomes part of who I am. But we were, um, <clears throat> my mother and I and the boys had just, uh, we were going to a Mexican restaurant to eat. This is several years ago. And we saw a lady, that we have a lot of homeless folks in Albany. Oh. We saw a lady walking um, down the divider of this very busy street. <clears throat> and I could tell that if she wasn't homeless, she was probably going to be very soon. And uh, we saw her and uh, said a little prayer for her, and then we went in and ate. And I, I told my mom, I, I just couldn't get her off my mind. I said, you know what? That prayer is fine, but it's not enough. And my mom said, I agree. So mom bought a bunch of nachos and some other stuff and everything else. And I said, if she's still out there, um, we, we need to just get, with no strings attached, we need to get this to her. If she's not, if we can't find her, then, then, Lord, please bring somebody that we can give it to. Well, we couldn't find her. And we went to the store, and in the parking lot was this gentleman who was sitting on the corner. He had a sign that said, uh, we'll work for food. And he his hand, he has had his hand all bandaged up and with, like, a T-shirt or something, you know. And he looked pretty rough. And so mom went into the, the store. I said, you, you want to go in the store? If you need to go. And we're going to go over and, and talk to him. So we went over and we, we brought the food over to him. And he looked up at us and not a word did he say in the beginning. He pulled out a little Gideon Bible 
And he handed it to my youngest boy, and he said, Jesus loves you so much. Wow. And then uh, Colin said, well, what did you do to your hand? He said, well, I got drunk last night, and me and my best friend got into a fight with a knife. And this is what happens when you get into a fight and you've been drinking. And there were several lessons there that my kids learned. Oh but you know what? We gave, gave them the food and my mom came over. This man shared with us the love of Christ. And he, he talked about it some more. And it was fascinating to me. He knew, he didn't just have head knowledge, but in his, in his homelessness and in his misery and in his disease, he still had experienced the love of Christ and he was giving it away. He was giving you, know. you everything. Oh, yeah. He had. And my kids have never forgotten that, ever. He gave you everything he had. And you know, Monty, what a beautiful story to take us into Tradition 6. It, yeah, it, it talks is. about less problems of money, property, and prestige. <laughs> this is from our primary purpose. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if you gotta if you gotta go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, ask your family first. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, have a great week, listeners, and, and get some poster board and and have fun. Have fun with this in you really have fun, and, and it's just giving yourselves and giving your family permission, giving your employees permission right. to to be spontaneous and not edit their thoughts, but to, to be, have the freedom to be the unique creation that yeah. they were made to be, and to bring yeah. those gifts to your family or to your business, but to, to you as a blessing. Amen. Folks, that does it for another episode of the Carol Ann Preston Show on Relationships. We're glad that you joined us today. If you'd like to email us, email us at take12radio at comcast.net. Fill out the survey on this page. Tell us what you'd like to hear about. Next week, Tradition 6. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with Carol Ann Preston, and we're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. Bye. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.